Hi, and welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore. I am a food truck business coach and author of Food Truck 101, Beginner to Winner. This podcast is all about helping you start and grow your food truck business. Last week, I talked with Thane Martin on franchising your brand. If you're dreaming about becoming the subway of food truck, then give all of those episodes a listen. One of the many elements that we talked about was having written manuals so that you're able to train people coming into your franchise. It's also super important that you have a training manual to be able to train employees. And I thought it would be a really good idea to share with you guys how detailed you need to be and how those details will help you to run a better food truck today long before you ever open your second food truck or even get into franchising. Yesterday we talked a little bit about food safety and profitability and what you need to have included on any kind of inspection that you're going to be doing if you have multiple trucks. And then if you only have a single truck, these are the kind of things that you need to be writing for your policies and procedures so you can train people and have the job being done consistently from day to day, week to week, month to month. Let's talk about health department inspections. And you're thinking, what does a health department inspection have to do with me creating my own inspection and my own training manual? Well, one of the things you want to include on that particular self-inspection for your food trucks would be that all of your health department inspections are available and any violations have been corrected in a reasonable amount of time. I suggest that if you have a health inspection, everything that gets marked off on it is corrected within 10 days or less. Procedure things should be corrected immediately, like somebody has a sanitized house sitting on a counter. You can correct that immediately. I'm talking about the things that can't be corrected by picking up a pot and putting it someplace else. So speaking of the health department, you want to make sure that your hand wash sink meets the minimum temperature required in your state, which most likely is either 100 or 110. And then your non-hand washing sinks meet whatever your state requires there, and that's probably going to be a minimum of 110. The idea is that you are prepared when the health department comes in and sticks the thermometer up underneath one of those sinks. You want to make sure that you are able to demonstrate you have the amount of hot water and the temperature that is required. So you should be checking that every single day, not when somebody says, oh, I think that's the health inspector. You want to make sure that you have standards for potentially hazardous foods as far as when they're cooked. For example, food that is being held in a steam table or some other type of product holding unit has a minimum temperature of whatever your state requires. And then what I suggest is what makes the most sense for the food palatability. So your state requirements are either going to be 135 or 140. And I'm going to tell you, you need to be a little bit higher than that because by the time you get the food wrapped and sent out to a guest, it's going to drop way below 135 if you're right on that 135 cushion and the food's going to feel cool in their mouth and you don't want that. You want them to unwrap a sandwich and see steam emitting from that sandwich. So get yourself above 140 for sure, but whatever makes sense for the food that you're selling. If you got cold food, it should be below 40. You got to check that stuff. You can't just assume that when you check it in the morning, it's going to be like that at 8 o'clock at night. You need to check your temperatures throughout the day. You want to make sure you have a calibrated thermometer available. And I suggest you get one of the nice thermometers, the ones that will allow you to plug in different ends to them. Because you don't just need to say probe thermometer. You're going to need a surface thermometer if you have a grill or a griddle. You're going to need an airspace thermometer if you have coolers and freezers. You need the right tools for the right job. If you guys do cookout logs, and I strongly urge you to do cookout logs for all your main proteins like chicken or fish or pork or barbecue or anything else, you need to have some type of log that says, 
Yes, we cooked a piece of chicken today at 10 o'clock and it temped out right. And the only way that these cookout temperature logs work is if you have set times and set temperatures for each of those products. So if you're deep frying a piece of chicken, it should be on a timer in a, in a fryer that's set at a specific temperature. So when the timer goes off, you pull the chicken up, you stick a thermometer in it, you have a reasonable chance of every single piece that comes out of that particular basket under those particular time frames that you have listed. And the timer goes off, pull the basket up, stick the monitor in, and you got the same temperature every single piece. If you have a log that says we test four times a day, before lunch, after lunch, before dinner, after dinner. If you have those kind of logs, and that indicates to the health department that you're taking sanitation and food safety very seriously. Sanitation. Let's talk about solutions in the bottles and in buckets. You got to have those sanitizing solutions strengths according to whatever particular sanitizer brand you're using is, and that means whatever this health department wants in your area. So you have to have those test strips, and the health department will test buckets, they will test your sinks, they will test spray bottles. So you should be testing spray bottles and buckets and sinks. When they fall below whatever the standard is, you've got to discard them, pour it out, and create fresh. So besides the test strips in testing the bottles and buckets and sinks, you also want to make sure that your cloths are submerged in sanitized solution if you have them sitting out, and that's the only place that they're stored. They shouldn't be laying on the counter. They shouldn't be stuck in your back pocket or draped over your shoulder. They should be in the buckets. And if they're not in the buckets, they need to be put away. And again, as I said, you should always have the test strips available for whatever your sanitizer brand is. You should create a list of approved items. We will only buy this brand of meat. We will only buy this brand of hot dog bun. We will only buy from this particular produce company. So that when you go and visit a different food truck that you own, making sure they're doing the job they're supposed to be doing, you can say, hey, we don't buy food from this particular vendor. It's too expensive. It's sub-quality. Whatever the conditions are, why you chose a particular brand should be on that truck. So you're going to double-check that. You want to make sure that all the proper packaging and, and paper supplies are present and they're the ones that you approve. You don't want them going off to get a generic wrapper when you paid a bunch of money to have your logo imprinted on wrappers. Make sure that they're doing what you expect them to do. You want to look at the small wares and all the tools. Are they present the way you expect them to be and are they being used the way they're supposed to be used? For example, if you only designate blue tongs being used for fish, you want to make sure that they're only using blue tongs for fish. If you're using black tongs for cooked items or red tongs for raw meat, Whatever your designation is, that those designations are being done. You want to make sure that all the other chemicals that are you expect to be on the food truck are there. Not only the sanitizer, but the soap. If you use a degreaser, if you use anything else, you want to make sure that that's the only things that are on your food truck and that you have the appropriate materials as far as safety goes. And that would be the material safety data sheets, the MSDS sheets. And that's something that I very rarely talk about because we're getting deep into franchising and deep into owning multiple trucks when we're talking about those kind of sheets. So continuing on with just more food safety things. All the prepped items, again, I've said this before, are marked with a hold time and they're not expired. So if you step onto a truck and you see a pan of shredded lettuce, for instance, that says it expires at 1 and you step on the truck at 2.30, you've got a couple issues. Number one, you have a training issue. Why hasn't this stuff been discarded? Number two, you got a prep issue. Why is there so much stuff left over that I can see this 90 minutes after its expiration? So you got some issues there, some problems that need to be addressed. But you have to have those standards and be able to train those standards and then recognize those standards when they're not being adhered to. You want to make sure there's no cross-contamination. People throw that word around frequently and not actually understand what it means. 
But one of the things that help you not have cross-contamination, like I mentioned, is different colored tongs for different things, different colored cutting boards for different things. You want to keep raw product separated from cooked product. You want to make sure that old product is not mixed with new product. You want to make sure that your wash, rinse, and sanitize uh, system is set up and that it's also labeled. And you should have a set amount of where the water should be, how many uh, pumps of soap go into a particular sink. So if you walk in, it should be filled up so many inches deep, should have so much soap in it, and each of those sinks should be set up in a similar manner. You want to observe hand washing. You want to observe not only hand washing when it's needed to be done, but when it's supposed to be done that a lot of people don't think about. If you allow your employees to eat on your food truck, then you have to have a place for them to store the food, and it needs to be separated from the food that's available for sale to your guests. You want to make sure that all the smallwares that you have been spending all kinds of money on are available the way they're supposed to be available and that they're being maintained and cleaned. They're not burnt. If you're buying plastic pots and pans, you're not having broken handles and cracks and, and all kinds of things like that that happen with those Cambro pans. You want to make sure your steam tables, any kind of other hot holding unit is properly maintained. It's got gaskets on it. Their gaskets are being maintained. There's no evidence of cracks. If you have any kind of vegetable slicer or meat slicer, same deal. Is it being cleaned properly? Is it being stored properly? Is it in good working condition? If you have allergen guides up, you need to make sure that they are being adhered to and that your entire staff understands allergen guidelines. So let's talk about pest control. When a health department comes in, they will be looking for rodent droppings or dead cockroaches or other kind of bugs. You need to make sure that you're also looking for those things as well. You don't want surprises being identified by the health department. If you park your truck at the end of the season, you want to check it the next year for birds having built nests in different parts of the truck, especially if you have a hood system. You want to look for ant trails. You want to make sure that flies aren't landing on food if you're in operation and there's not excessive fly activity. If your area requires air, air curtains, you need to have them in place. You need to do whatever it takes to maintain a pest-free environment. And I know it's super hard on a truck, but just because it's super hard doesn't mean you just throw your hands up and go, I don't care. You should have some type of pest control system with some type of, of report. You should probably have your trucks sprayed at least monthly. So that way you can show the health department, yes, we are doing what we need to do. So let's talk about one last little thing on food safety, and that is dealing with your tanks, your water tanks and your wastewater tanks. We know that the wastewater tank most likely is open. So there's an air gap, which means if it gets too full, it just ends up flooding your floor. You don't want that to happen. You have to be aware of your drainage system. And you cannot just go out and open up your exterior drain and go, well, I'll just pretend like I didn't know. Just let it drain a little bit. Let it drip. Set standards for yourself and be better than every other food truck that's out there. Because you won't be able to franchise if you constantly have issues with the health department marking you down because somebody's lazy and is going out there and leaving the drain open just so it can drain. Ain't got to worry about it. Do your job. You also want to make sure there's no evidence of team members working while they're ill, especially in this environment today. You don't want somebody working while they're sick. If they tell you that they're sick and you say, ah, you can hang on, and then the health department comes in and notices that they're sick, and the team member says, well, I told him I was sick and he told me I had to work, guess what happens? You want to make sure that the prep area is especially free from roof leaks, but you really want the whole food truck or food trailer to be free from roof leaks. Again, something you got to pay attention to. Make sure that you have your SurfSafe certificate or the food manager certificate available and brag about it to your guests. Put that out there and show them, hey, we're doing our best to elevate this food truck from being a roach coach into being a mobile restaurant that you will be proud to have eaten at. And of course, you want to make sure that all your sinks are completely functional, all the drains work the way they're expected to. 
So that's a whole bunch of information, and we still haven't even got to two important things. One is speed of service, and the other is just general cleanliness. So I'm going to talk about those tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for listening to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. If you're finding all the information helpful in your business, please consider becoming a monthly supporter of our podcast. Just hit the support button or follow the link in the description. Every little bit does help keep us going. If you guys need a business coach to help you reach your food truck business's full potential, check out my affordable services. The links, as always, are in the description. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Come back tomorrow because you know i got plenty more to say about the food truck industry.